This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. The month of May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. What better time to both express concern over the rise in hate against this community and to also lift up a solution? That is ADL's special partnership with the Asian American Foundation, or TAF, as it is known. TAF is tasked with responding to this hate, and I am thrilled to welcome its CEO, Norman Chen, to From the Frontlines. Welcome, Norman. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. So, Norman, tell us briefly, what is the Asian American Foundation? The Asian American Foundation, Scott, was formed in 2021, an organization fundamentally transforming the future for APIs across all sectors. We work in the anti-hate, education, narrative change, and also representation and resources, and across five sectors, um, nonprofits, philanthropy, government, corporates, and media. And how was it founded? TAP was founded in large part due to the help of ADL. Uh, back during uh, 2020, um, ADL, as it monitors hate and extremism uh, around the country, saw a significant increase in online hate against the AAPI community, the Asian American Pacific Islander community, and reached out to our founders and said, hey, you know, in our experience, when you see this kind of uh, data out there, it will lead to physical violence. Uh, And so that led to our founders coming together, along with Jonathan Greenblatt, to form uh, TAF in May of 2021. Talk a little bit about what those early days were like in terms of uh, AAPI hate. Yeah, I mean, it's been so traumatic for our community over the past three years. During the early days, you know, with the rhetoric coming from the White House and the scapegoating of Asian Americans for COVID, there was just this spike in anti-Asian sentiment around the country. And so um, you saw people being attacked, people being literally murdered, stabbed, lit on fire, spat upon. Uh, and the groups like Stop AAPI Hate tracked over 11,000 incidents during that peak period. And now it's probably risen to over 15,000. So a real flurry of anti-Asian sentiment and violence. But this was not the first time this has happened in our history. And it's important to understand that this has happened in the past. It happens when there are incidents and crises, and then Asian Americans get scapegoated and attacked. So uh, very important for us as an organization to recognize these patterns and address these underlying issues. So we in the Jewish community talk a lot about tropes or conspiracies that people have about Jews yeah. as being the way that anti-Semitism manifests itself. What, what are the conspiracy theories swirling around about Asians and Pacific Islanders? Thanks, Scott. It's so relevant uh, because we know that these tropes, these stereotypes are the beginning indications of how people are othered, how they're seen as outsiders. And there are classic studies of how Asian Americans and Jewish people are seen as competent, but but not friendly and therefore put into this other category. And those stereotypes can then lead to scapegoating, which can lead to tragic violence and even genocide. 
So in our community, we've had these long-lasting stereotypes, right? The perpetual foreigner. And no matter how many generations you've been here in America, you're still seen as a foreigner. And people come up to me and say, hey, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Baltimore. No, no, where are you really from? And I said, well, I'm really from Baltimore. They want to know where my ancestors came from. But they don't ask these questions, you know, for white Americans. So the perpetual foreigner myth is an issue. The um, yellow peril is a longstanding trope of China attacking or taking over the U.S. This was prevalent in the early 1900s or late 1800s. And again, we see it emerging again with more and more concern of China as a military economic threat. There's also this model minority myth where, again, Asian Americans are seen very monolithically as nice, smart, and hardworking with no real depth or appreciation of the range of people in our community who struggle economically, who have not the educational background to benefit them. So really seeing Asian Americans just as successful, uh, hardworking people and not appreciating the, 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 the diversity within our community. Yeah, and truthfully, you know, any kind of stereotype can, can lead to violence. That that can be excused as a one-off saying, well, I was just complimenting, but... Uh, but that's that's not the way it can you, the way one should see it because it's part of a pattern and patterns can lead to violence. We have the same in the Jewish community with uh, tropes about Jews being particularly wealthy or uh, particularly successful. Just to follow on that, if I could, Scott, you know, the well, another thing we've really learned from the ADL is that you the, the Jewish community has been doing a study. ADL has been doing a study of American attitudes towards Jewish people since I think the 1960s. And so we have modeled our study, which is the status index, which is looking at American attitudes towards AAPIs. And that was groundbreaking when we first launched two or three years ago, uh, sorry, in 2021. And it continues to provide really uh, startling results. And what are, what are some of the top-line findings? In the first year we did this, we asked a very simple question, Scott. Hey, can you name a prominent Asian American? We just want to see how visible we were in American consciousness. And the number one answer was actually, no, you know, I actually can't think of a prominent Asian American. I can think of a prominent white person, black person, Latino person, but not a prominent Asian American. And then the second answer was even more shocking. The number one answer after I don't know was Jackie Chan, whom we love and uh, who was very active in martial arts movies, you know, decades ago. But he's actually not American. He's from Hong Kong. And then the person after that was Bruce Lee, which, again, is this martial arts stereotype, which has been prevalent for decades especially in Hollywood, but you know, Bruce Lee passed away 50 years ago. So it shows that Asian Americans are still seen very stereotypically, if they're seen at all, uh, and there's just really a lack of appreciation for our people, our culture, our stories, and our history. So tell me a little bit about what TAF is doing about all of this. Yeah, so it's a lot to address, but we're focusing, as I mentioned, anti-hate narrative change in education and representation and resources, these four areas. First of all, support the community as they battle this wave of anti-Asian sentiment. We help support victims. We set up a GoFundMe to provide funding to victims, for example, in Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay. But longer term, we are working on education, right? People need to understand that Asian-American history is American history, that fundamental points in American history are derived from the input and contributions of the Asian-American and Pacific Islander community, such as the building of the railroads. Uh, and other, you know, incredible achievements. So education is a big component. We're promoting the teaching of AHI history around the country. And then moving on then to narrative change. You know, we're starting finally to see stories that provide more authentic uh, representations of AAPIs, right? We're seeing 
everything everywhere all at once uh, about a mother struggling with her daughter. And then we see movies or programs like Beef on Netflix, which talks about, you know, everyday lives of Asian Americans. Less stereotypical, more authentic, very very popular in the community. And so we're supporting uh, artists and filmmakers uh, working with Sundance to be there during the film festival and also promoting mentoring of next generation of filmmakers, et cetera. So really working across uh, those four different pillars, uh, including representation and resources, to make sure we have more visible Asian Americans in leadership positions, that our history is better understood, and they're fighting the immediate harm due to the, the violence and the racism. And these are, of course, very proactive ways of, uh, of combating hate. Uh, I also know that you're uh, working closely with ADL, learning from ADL in terms of reactive methods for uh, uh, for fighting against this hate, and that's um, uh, a point of pride for our organization as we play this this allyship role. Oh, it's been so critical and helpful to TAF. You know, again, the the many many years of experience that ADL has, its ability to monitor uh, hate of all forms around the country. And then to work with community organizations to provide that infrastructure, which is so sorely needed. Um, in particular, in New York City, we're working very closely with ADL. We've hired a new director for New York City, uh, um, Eugenia O, oh, who works very closely with the ADL team there. And we've recently announced a $35 million initiative in New York City to support our community work to fight hate and promote a better storytelling and education for our community. That's part of our broader $65 million announcement this year for what we're calling our portfolio strategy, which is really to work, again, in our different areas uh, and then to collaborate with other co-funders to really have maximum impact. So we're very excited and doing a lot of work with ADL in New York City and nationally. Uh, one final question, and this is a personal one. How does somebody become the CEO of TAF? Tell us briefly the journey that led you there. I was in business for many years, for over two decades, Scott, and um, had been in Asia for a long time after having grown up here in the U.S. So I really brought this combination of U.S. and Asian background and experience, nonprofit and for-profit background and experience, and, and those really came together well And we're, when TAF was looking for a CEO to work closely with the business community, with the founders, many of whom are entrepreneurs, but also then who has been active in the nonprofit space for quite some time. So thank you so much. Uh, it was, it's was it been really a fantastic opportunity and uh, delighted to be leading such a dynamic organization. Norman, we are grateful for the partnership, which uh, which really helps ADL address hate against the AAPI community and, and be strong allies in that space. Thank you so much for working so closely with ADL and really for all that you and your team do day in and day out to combat hate. And, uh, and of course, thanks for being on today's show. Thanks very much, Scott. It was a lot of fun. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good.